It's going to be a weird picture. I think we're uh, live on a couple of portals. We're still waiting to go live on the third portal. Not necessarily the most important portal, but uh, one of three. And we want to have all of them going before we get going. So uh, bear with me, those of you who are listening on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. And bear with me, those of you that are watching on YouTube right now. Hello, YouTubers. Uh, as we get ready to go live on Facebook as well. So uh, in three, in two, and in one, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages, welcome to Living on a Thin Line with a Tony Visick. I am that Tony Visick. We come to you every day. We come to you every day at Mountain Standard Time, 2 p.m. Arizona time, actually. Uh, we are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. Um, the show is on three platforms, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, where I urge you to listen. I urge you to listen if you're in the car or if uh, uh, you don't feel like looking at my face um, or you just prefer sound over pictures, which some people do. Uh, we've got that for you at ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Also, we're on YouTube, where absolutely no one listens or watches, uh, and that's probably because we just haven't put the effort into... Uh, hello, Kevin Brown. Uh, we haven't put the effort into whatever it is you got to do to be a YouTube sensation. Uh, and we are on Facebook Live. We are on three, uh, three platforms. The show is built around primarily three things. Interaction with you, our friends, family, co-workers, strangers, weirdos, the hungry and the hunted out there throughout the world. Uh, your questions and comments that we uh, try to comment back or answer. Uh, usually some knickknack or doodad that we have laying around here in the home office that we then share with you and try to weave a story around. And we recommend uh, two artists or two pieces of music based on our vast vinyl album and CD collection. So that's kind of how the show is built. Hello, Champ de Blasio. Hello, Tina and Mike Lawson. Hello, all of the Living on a Thin Line regulars. We always appreciate you popping in. Um, there's a lot of excitement going on in the home office right now. Uh, we now, uh, today, once again, uh, filling various capacities uh, in the program is my grandson, uh, Sullivan, who you can see if you're on YouTube because we have a wider screen, but you cannot see on Facebook unless he does that right there. So uh, there's a, a lot of energy in this room with uh, uh, producers, dogs, there's a cat somewhere in the house, grandsons. Uh, we're packing them in because we're packing in the fun. As much as we can. Um, everyone's talking about, everybody's talking about last night's debate. Everyone's talking about it. I uh, was able to uh, watch it in its entirety. To be honest with you, uh, while it was on, I was making dinner. My uh, uh, wife had just busted her butt doing all kinds of things yesterday. And I said, all right, I'll make dinner tonight. That doesn't make me a saint. Doesn't make me a wonderful guy. You're supposed to make dinner every once in a while anyway. So, uh, and I made a... Uh, a tasty repast of uh, vegetarian spaghetti, uh, Hunt's tomato sauce, and uh, uh, already cooked shrimp that I then um, additionally fried up to give them a certain amount of crispiness. Mixed them all together and had a little, um, a little shrimp pasta deal. But I watched the debate while I was doing that, while I was eating, and then afterwards. 
You know, I've always been a bit of a troublemaker. I've always been a bit of an outlier. I've always been a bit of a rebel. But I knew deep down in my heart of hearts that I could be a rebel because I lived in a country that had structures in place that allowed for that rebellion because that rebellion oftentimes becomes the new form of doing things, especially in the world of creativity. Uh, people like Lee Strasberg uh, and uh, Harold Klerman started the group theater in the early 30s and uh, created a brand new way, along with Clifford Odets, of producing theater, of how theater was uh, uh, written and performed, and acting. They were the revolution. Now, by the time the 1970s rolled around, I hit Los Angeles. I went to the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute. The revolution had become an institution, but the revolution was positive within the structure of creativity and theater and art and film. I always knew that we had a chance to rebel. I knew that. What I saw last night was not rebellion. What you saw last night was not rebellion. What you saw last night was thuggery. What you saw last night was not guys riding the motorcycles with the freedom of the road. What you saw last night was outlaw motorcycle, and not even outlaw motorcycle gangs, but that small percentage of outlaw motorcycle gangs who enjoy violence for violence's sake. Who enjoy it. Who enjoy destroying things for their own personal pleasure. I vaguely remember the 1960 presidential debates between John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. And to the best of my knowledge, televised presidential de debates have been a mainstay of American political life since that time. Reagan and Carter. Bush and Gore. Okay? And what we saw were two men, and to this point it has been men, and hopefully someday that will change as well, uh, uh, having reasoned arguments with strong positions and presenting them to the American public so we could decide. But starting about four years ago, and then really coming to a culmination to, uh, last night, one Donald J. Trump has hijacked this process that allows you and I to make rational, re rational, reasonable decisions about who we should entrust with running the country for four years. He hijacked it and turned it into a horror show, turned it into a joke, turned it into a sham. I did say there was a woman uh, in the debates four years ago. I apologize. You're right. You're right. Uh, um, uh, of course. You know, uh, uh, with uh, Clinton and Trump. Um, but starting with the debates with her, the vileness that he presented there, which appealed to a certain segment of the population. You know, David Chase, who created The Sopranos, I read an interview with him once, and he was recounting a, uh, a conversation he had with an FBI guy about the mafia. And he said, you know who the mafia is? He said, the mafia, he said, the mafia, <laughs> thank you, Halliday. He said, the mafia are, is a group of people too stupid 
to make money playing by the rules. And what we saw last night was mafia-like tactics. We saw bullying, cajoling, lying. We saw an absolute disrespect, not only of his opponent, but of the moderator and the American electorate. How many of you who've got little kids, let your little kids watch that and go, yeah, this is how the country's supposed to be run. How can you, even if you disagree with the policies and programs that you think Joe Biden will put in place or advocate for, can in good conscience vote for the individual that you saw on your television last night? How many of you can? I know I can't. I know I'm, I thank goodness that I didn't have a, I wrote a, a joke and the joke was, um, uh, I wanted my children to see how American democracy works. So last night I switched off the debate and put on the old classic movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Because in that movie, you saw from Frank Capra, an immigrant to this country, who later on became quite conservative, and Jimmy Stewart, who was a lifelong Republican, tell the story of how American democracy should and could work. And what you saw last night was the bizarro version of a Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. What you saw last night was what none of us truly want for our country. Uh, Holiday Moore, uh, who is uh, uh, highly respected and especially respected by me, uh, a news person, longtime news person with various publications and uh, uh, radio stations and television stations here in the greater Phoenix area, said, my kid, who is very politically savvy, went running from the room after half an hour. He has sensory issues. Yeah, that was a sham. That was a travesty. And here's what I think is really sad. Here's what really sad. We've had these political debates since 1960, mostly men, one woman. Uh, vice presidential debates where there were women, Geraldine Ferraro, or uh, Sarah Palin, and soon uh, coming up, uh, Kamala Harris. And those debates had been conducted that both sides sat down and came up with a consensus on what the rules of the debate should be and both sides abided by them. And that's not what you saw last night. You saw a man who broke the rules on purpose for what he thought was his own personal gain. It was a horror show. It was disgusting. So here's what I say to my Republican friends, and I have a lot of Republican friends. Here's what I say to my conservative friends, and I have a lot of conservative friends. You know, uh, sometimes my uh, liberal friends... Uh, are shocked at the number of uh, conservative and Republican friends I have. And the friends I have who uh, voted for Trump in 2016. This is what I say to you. You cannot allow a continuation of what you saw last night. You cannot allow it. Vote for Joe Biden. Vote for him. And then, four years from now, defeat him with a real Republican if you can. But for goodness sakes, now is the time when all good men and women must come to the aid of their country. We can't allow that. We can't allow the world, the world that's always looked to us as a beacon of democracy, a beacon of law, a beacon of freedom, 
We can allow, allow the world to see that we agree with what we saw last night. Don't you think it's pathetic? Don't you think it is pathetic? That the organization that is in charge of putting together the debates is now having to have meetings to figure out how to move forward in an irrational, reasonable, calm, adult way with the uh, next two debates? Don't you think it's sad that one of the solutions that all of us came up with watching it and that they're talking about is muting a microphone that in order to have a reasonable, rational discussion of the issues for the American people, that one of the requirements for that to move forward will be the muting of the microphone of the President of the United States? Stop me before I talk again. Stop me before I lie again. Stop me before I show ignorance again. Control me by turning off my machine. Got to see you, Vera Maria. Got to run vote blue. Thank you. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, you guys know that usually I'm uh, doing silliness on this show. But, uh, you know, I... Uh, man, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, let's talk about some fun stuff, shall we? Uh, that's my take on the whole thing. All right. And once again, one more thing. We saw uh, Chris Wallace, who, um, whose father, uh, Mike Wallace, was a giant, a giant in American journalism. A giant. And Chris Wallace, who's been well on his way, or is considered by many, or is at least well on his way to becoming another giant in American journalism. A man who has a show, <coughs> excuse me, on Fox News. Not, you know, the liberal media. Fox News. Okay. That in one night, a reputation he built a lifetime building is a fair, even and balanced journalist and interviewer now lays tattered and shattered in the dust. People going, he should have controlled him. How many of you think you could control Donald Trump? How many of you think you're in the same room and it was your job to tell him, hey, it's this guy's turn? How many of you think he would listen to you? He's not going to listen to anyone. I forget who wrote the book, but the name of the book is Everything Trump Touches Dies. Everything Trump Touches Dies. And last night, the possibility of presidential debates may have died. And last night, the reputation of one of the most important journalists and interviewers in American life today, his reputation died. And we're just all watching it. Uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, Holly Moore says, I thought Chris did a decent job trying to ride that roller coaster. I agree with you, Holiday, but a lot of people did not. Uh, there's people calling for, uh, calling for, uh, his, him being fired from Fox News. He's being attacked by everyone. Uh, that was worse than a warden trying to quell a prison riot. It was, Holiday. I would agree, uh, akin to that, to a warden trying to, uh, quell a prison riot. Some of the things that, uh, I, you know, I've read very little about the Proud Boys. Uh, I know that they, uh, and when he said, I'm telling the Proud Boys to uh, stand by and stand down, uh, I've got a message 
for anyone who wants to go out there and disrupt polling places. We are not going to let you. Champ de Blasio says Congress is wasting time sitting on the sidelines. It is their job to step in both the Senate and the House. They need to get together and put a stop to this madness. We have a constitutional problem. We may well have. I would agree with you, but I'm a partisan. I am a partisan. You know, I haven't voted Democratic in every presidential election. I don't know if you guys, I, I, I didn't vote for Jimmy Carter either time. And I didn't vote for Reagan either time either, because I didn't think either one of them were uh, up to the job. Uh, Jimmy Carter's turned out to be a great man. Ronald Reagan, it's Ronald Reagan. My opinion of him differs a lot from uh, a lot of people. Nowadays, uh, I still hold on to my opinion of Ronald Reagan from who he was before he became president and who he was while he was president. I don't think, I think that Ronald Reagan became the tipping point of uh, uh, the rolling back of American progress so that the American dream is uh, uh, available to every citizen of this United States. That's what I think. Uh, Kevin Brown says, well, like people judging Chris, many people outside of the octagon tell MMA fighters what to do next as if uh, they're in their corner. Interesting observation, Kevin. I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, We're not going to let thugs or violent people or people with an axe to grind or people with axe handles stop the American people from exercising the most important of franchises, our right to vote. Holly Moore says, Chris will be fine, not worried about him, but the news is the, pres- uh, the Presidential Debate Commission is re- revisiting the rules. Yeah, we were talking about that a little earlier, and I just think it's pathetic. I think it's pathetic. Sorry about that high note, folks. Pathetic. That the Presidential Debate Commission has to go, how do we control this, and maybe we're going to have to turn off microphones. You've got two men up there, one a former vice president of the United States and one the current president of the United States. And because of the behavior of the president of the United States, they're talking about shutting off microphones. How about this? Okay, if we're going to do that, here, I got a solution for you. Okay, every time Donald Trump or Joe Biden, but Joe Biden will go, okay, all right, we'll go by these rules. Every time that... Donald Trump opens his maw when he's not supposed to, or every time Donald Trump calls upon radical, violent right-wing organizations to involve themselves in our process, or every time that he foists some horrible, disgusting conspiracy theory that has no weight or value, how about every time he does that, somebody runs up and shoves soap in his mouth like a little kid. If we're going to shut their microphones off, if we're going to have to do that and treat them like a little kid, hell, let's do what might benefit kids, according to the nuns where I went to school when I was in the second grade. And if you said something untoward or you continue to speak out of turn, they'd wash your mouth out with soap. So maybe, Holiday, if you've got a direct line or an indirect line to the Presidential Debate Commission, that's right. Holiday Moore says there would be a right to free speech issue if you turn off a microphone, but there's no arguing if the upcoming town hall, uh, if the upcoming town hall shares the mic. I'm not totally clear on what you're saying there, but um, I don't know if it's a free speech issue, 
Freedom of speech doesn't mean that you get to uh, hog everything in a uh, conversation. That's not freedom of speech. That's actually what Donald Trump did last night was not an exercise of freedom of speech. What Donald Trump did last night was an exercise in muting speech because his attempt was to silence. But I don't know. What do you think of my soap in the mouth idea, you guys? Every time Donald Trump speaks out of turn, every time he interrupts, every time he lies, every time he says something vile, uh, we get um, a Catholic nun to come up and uh, um, uh, shove, uh, uh, make, him, make him eat soap, wash his mouth out with soap. I, that's what I'm for. I'm for the, uh, that's where I'm going. It's supposed to be a comedy show. Um, you know, one of my um, uh, comedy idols is a guy named Phil Hendry. And Phil Hendry had one of the funniest shows in the world uh, many, many years ago. He's a genius. Where he was actually calling into his own show with the most insane of characters and then dealing with them. That was great. But then he, uh, uh, a lot of people said he became political. Well, Phil Hendry was always political. That was one show that he did. And I'm kind of feeling like him today. You know, where I always try to keep this show light and silly and fun with bobbleheads and rock and roll records. But sometimes, uh, you know what? The dance hall is for dancing, but if the dance hall is on fire, okay, then we got to stop dancing to put out the fire. Uh, Holiday of Moore says, meaning one mic, which means physically there is no second mic to butt in. All right, so they have one mic, no second mic to butt in. Kevin Brown responds, even if the mic is off, I'm leaning towards one individual yelling over it as a means to, I want, I will, I must be heard with or without the mic. So... Turning off the mic will not stop Donald Trump from doing the, um, the disgusting and inappropriate things he did while he was debating Hillary Clinton. Whether you like Hillary Clinton or not, I like Hillary Clinton. I don't love Hillary Clinton. I don't think that if I hung out with Hillary Clinton, I go, yeah, we got a lot in common. Come from different worlds. <laughs> Kevin Brown replying, not lay more like the Temptations. That's the problem. If Donald Trump was one of the temptations, he wouldn't be doing dun, 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 dun. He'd be like, mm-hmm. go, no, man, you're supposed to dun, 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 dun. But he'd be, you know, he can't dance with the rest of the group. What he was doing where he would wander around behind her or stalk her or come up and stand close to her, you know, uh, and it, it, trying to be physically intimidating or physically distract from... Uh, uh, what she was saying, which, you know, worked. Pfft, man, it worked. Turning off his microphone will not stop him from engaging in physical behavior that could be, uh, have the uh, same effect as his, uh, his uh, constant interruption. My, my dudes in two debts, man. Is this the conversation we would be having in 2021? Uh, Holly Moore says, uh, to use your metaphor, if there's only one dance partner, one mic, the interloper is shut off until the song is over. Yeah, but it might not stop him from dancing. Okay. Hey, a couple of things. Uh, what time is it? Where am I? I don't even know what time it is. Hold on. Let me see what time it is. Okay. Uh, all right. Wow. We're almost at the end of the show. That seat, man, ta, man. You know, Shirley and I started doing this show going, wow, we got to do something while this is going on. I mean, during the, the early days of, of uh, the shutdown, which I agreed with. 
even though, man, it affected us emotionally, psychologically, financially in, in a great way, the stress and anxiety, this, this show started as a way for her and I and maybe some of our friends who uh, care to watch to deal with it. And we decided to try to make it fun, make it silly. That's why there's always all this bobblehead talk or our big arguments about cheesecake. Or I talk about all the, I got some great rock and roll records here today I wanted to talk about and share with you. Um, how many more? It would be akin to Elaine dancing with Seinfeld. Uh, but uh, the day got away from us talking about last night's debate. Hey, a couple things moving forward, guys. Uh, there's great shows uh, this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com. jpscomedyclub.com, a very funny headliner, uh, local great guy, John Carden. If you're looking for something to do and you want to be socially, uh, you socially distant, mask are required uh, upon entering uh, uh, and for the most part, while you're in there, uh, only a limited amount of tickets available so we can seat with social distancing. Go check out JP's Comedy Club uh, this Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. Uh, and uh, Jim, you know, I think that uh, three years from now, five, there's, there's a really vibrant and exciting local Phoenix comedy scene. Uh, it's been going on for about 20 years. So for about 20 years, there's been a local Phoenix comedy scene. There was one earlier, and then it disappeared, and there was no local Phoenix comedy scene except for a few brave souls. And then uh, it started exploding around 2003, 2002, 2003. Uh, uh, and there's been a lot of different people that have uh, passed through the doors of the local Phoenix comedy scene. Some went on to be uh, well-known comics or get television shows. Some did it for a little long, quit. A lot of club owners a lot of managers, uh, Jim Perry, without thinking that he will be this, I think will go down in the local comedy scene history as one of the best and brightest and most important uh, people to come along in a while. Uh, because he is holding a, a massive amount of open mic nights, a massive amount of open mic nights where he's given so many uh, young or old or anybody of any persuasion opportunity take a stage in a real comedy club and work out and get the feeling of what it's like to be on, on a stage like that. More than anyone I have ever seen in the Phoenix comedy scene since I hit town in 2001, where many clubs uh, 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 look down to stand-up comics, uh, beginning stand-up comics, local comics. Uh, Jim is really uh, elevating them up and, and really empowering them. And uh, I think all of them hold him uh, owe him a uh, debt of thanks. Holly Moore says, Tony, you should pursue as a Saturday Night S sketch on AZ and national politics. Yeah, yeah, we might do that all day, but uh, that's a lot more work than sitting in a chair talking to my face on the phone. <laughs> and I'd never be short of material, that's sure. That's for sure. Hey, have you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy? Check out ComedySchools.com. That's my uh, mothership website. Uh, we've got... Uh, free intros coming up for you. We got advanced classes coming up for you. If you want to improve your public speaking skills or uh, just have some fun, please check us out at comedyschools.com. I've got, no, you know what? All right, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, here was the album I was going to talk about today. That's L.A. Woman by The Doors. That is L.A. Woman by The Doors on Electra Records. And there they are. There's Jim right there. Quite a bit different than he looked just uh, a few brief years before. Uh, goodbye, Holly Moore. Uh, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, um, I'm going to talk about this particular album more uh, in the coming uh, coming days and weeks. No show tomorrow. I'm traveling, 
So I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull off a show because it might be on a plane. But if we're not on a plane, I'll be talking to you. So, you know, I take that back. There might be a show tomorrow. You have to tune in at 2 p.m. But the next time we got some time, we're going to talk about The Doors, L.A. Woman. I am going to recommend the song, L.A. Woman. Never have I heard a song that more encapsulated what L.A. was at the time and still is than L.A. Woman. Three months after this album came out, Mr. Morrison left terra firma and uh, uh, sadly sealed his legend for all time. And when you realize that this song was done in 1971 and you hear it and you hear the work into it, you'll really be stunned. If you know the song because you were around when it came out like I was, let's revisit it again and remember how wonderful it felt just to hear those, that opening of that, that bass line. That boom, 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 boom. If you haven't ever heard it before, uh, listen to it with an open mind and realize that at one time, rock and roll was the king, and Jim Morrison was certainly one of the kings in it. Okay, got to go. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you, everyone. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. Bye-bye.